Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in High Fidelity. You there, Welcome Faye? to the Along Came a Writer Network. Opinions there, expressed Faye? in our shows do not necessarily not reflect able to those of the network. Welcome to Publishing Lane with your host, Margie Lane Klubine, Executive Director of Write Integrity Press. Hello, I, this is Publishing Lane, and I am Margie Klubine, and we have a special show tonight. We have a continuation of our topic from last month. But before we start out with that, I have a couple of announcements, and I this is <laughs> this is exciting. And okay, I have to confess, this is crazy. I totally lost track of time. And my wonderful guest tonight, and she's actually she's more of a guest host because she's so good at this. And she called me, and she's like, she texted me, and she said, "I'm waiting," and I'm thinking, "Oh my gosh, I totally forgot." I'm serious. All I was thinking of today was that it was Taco Susie. I know, isn't that embarrassing? Okay. <laughs> So I have to tell you just a couple of things. Now, I, as an executive director of Right Integrity, I've been so excited about the things we've been able to share recently. Um, we had a We Love Our Readers contest that just ended, and we were giving away a Kindle Fire HD 8-inch tablet and a $100 gift card to Amazon, in addition to several other gifts from authors Harriet Michael, Deborah D. Harper, and Marie Wells Couture. In all, we ended up having 17 authors contributing. And we have a winner. Our winner is Lacey Waters, and she is our grand prize winner. She's already starting to receive her gifts. And we'll certainly be doing this contest again, though, because it seems like everybody really had a great time with it. We still love our readers, even though our contest is over. But I have to tell you, we've got something else special for you. We are sharing a book per week for only 99 cents. Now, these are not just the books that we published you know years and years ago we are sharing entire series at 99 cents a piece that's what you're going to end up being able to get so this month we're offering five of them and two of them are picture books and i don't know but there's something about october that just screams kids i don't know what it is especially toward the end of the month and scream is a good word for it um i'm not much into halloween but boy i sure love kids and so this month, um, next Sunday, we're putting Tammy Blackburn's picture book, children's picture book, How Do I Know? Um, and that's going to be on sale for 99 cents starting Sunday for a whole week. And then the other children's book that we'll have is going to be at the very end of the month. And that's the first book of Peggy Cunningham's Really Rare Rabbit series. Um, that's going to also be unavailable for a full week at 99 cents. And the two weeks that are in between, we're offering suspense because, yes, I'm sorry, I can't look at the early sunsets and the colors of the trees and the fog that starts rolling in and not think of a little bit of suspense. That's just my thing. So we're offering, um, one of the books that we're offering is Haven's Flight. It's a psychological thriller and suspense. And that's going to be the week before we offer the week before the last week of um, October. 
And then just before that, we're offering Stocking Willow. Now, last month I told you about Frozen Notes, which Faye Lamb, who's my guest tonight, Faye Lamb's last book in her series, Frozen Notes, this is her Amazing Grace series, and it's a suspense and romance series that is outstanding. And the final book came out in September last month. And the first book, the very first book, the one that started it all, is Stalking Willow. And it's going to be available starting this, starting uh, Sunday week. So it's not this coming Sunday, but it's the next Sunday. And it's going to be available at 99 cents. Um, and it's outstanding. They're perfect for this month. Currently, our book for 99 cents right now is Imperfect Wings. Again, another suspense. This one's by award-winning author Elizabeth Noyce. It's her Cameron series. It's the very first book of her Cameron series. And her book, her series has also been completed. Or no, I'm, like, I'm sorry, it has one more book left. But it's supposed to be completed for next year. And so you could get the whole Cameron series for a really short, short amount of money, too. So I hope you'll take advantage of the prices. I hope you'll get a chance to know a new author or collect an entire series throughout the year. Um, it's certainly worth it. So but speaking of new, we also, in the midst of all of our specials, have a brand new book coming out. And this one is a classic in the making. I know, I, that sounds like, oh yeah, right. No, I'm serious. This book reminds me of, um, it's a, it is a middle grade book, um, fourth, fifth grade level, sixth grade through uh, middle school and even into high school. Um, it reminds me of like Maniac McGee. It reminds me of From the Mixed Up Files of Mrs. Basil Frankenweiler and Night of the Twisters. Oh my gosh, I love that one. Um, I, when I was an elementary school teacher, I would read all of these to my students. Sometimes they would read them as their trade books because I was supposed to read during our reading class, but I loved them. And this book by Cynthia T. Tony is destined to become one of them. It is outstanding. Um, Cynthia is the award-winning author of the Birdface YA series. And just in case you don't know, YA stands for young adults. This is her very first voyage into middle grade which is a children's book, a children's chapter book is what they call middle grade. Um, and I'm just, I'm just sure this is going to end up being a, a classic. Um, she ended up using her grandfather's true story about how he came to America as an Italian immigrant. And he, she ended up being inspired by that and put together this outstanding tale of adventure. It's got mystery. Um, and it's a coming-of-age story that reaches across cultures that I think really will connect with kids where they are right now. It's going to debut in both print and ebook on Columbus Day, which is next Monday, October 9th. But it is on for pre-order right now at a discounted price of only $2.99. So, so much is going on at Right Integrity. But you can keep up with all of this. I know it, it seems like, well, just you telling me I can't even keep up with it that way. That would be me. I'd be having to write it all down. But you don't have to write it all down because it's all at our website. And that's writeintegrity.com. Now, write with a W, W-R-I-T-E, integrity.com. Um, so now, though, let's go ahead and get started with our evening chat because we really had a good time last month. 
but we didn't get very far. Um, if you were around with us, you heard Faith Lamb and I discussing breaking down your story. Um, my first thoughts of this were going to be that we were going to talk about tips and hints of just simple um, editing and proofreading. Uh, 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 uh. She's like, no, 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 we can dig into this because a real story starts with the content. And she was absolutely right. I mean, that's what I always do when I start doing a critique or a content edit. We start with the content edit. And she was so right with it, gave us these wonderful elements to go through. And we're going to talk about them again tonight. So I'm going to get her on here. Hi, Faye. Are you there? I'm here, Margie. Can you hear me? I can hear can you. you not Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! I have to confess that I had one of my famous duh moments, and I had it on mute. <laughs> so oh, that good. was our, that that was our what it was. <laughs> Well, at least you were here. I think if you hadn't texted me, I'd still be chopping on a taco. I'm serious. I that I was so <laughs> out of it. I I just I wasn't even thinking about what time it is or anything, and I would have gotten to nine o'clock tonight and went, oh no, I forgot. Oh, that would have been so bad. Okay, but last month, Faye shared a list of key story elements, and we kind of waded into this conversation about characters of our novel, and it took a whole hour, but it was great. I mean, it was awesome. We had so much fun talking about characters. I could talk about characters forever. They're so much fun to talk about. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit more about characters today as we go through some of the other ele elements, and before we get started, though, I want to share why it's so important for you to analyze the elements um, of your story. Because, you know, like I said, originally we started talking about the fact that I started thinking that we were going to end up making this a more of a proofreading session and say uh, quickly, easily convinced me that, no, we need to start with content. So let me tell you why content is really the place where you need to start when it comes to um, going through your story and what to edit. So, Faye, chime in um, as okay. I go along. Yeah, if you see anything that needs to be added or taken away, just, just holler and I'll stop. Um, All right. So, okay. I'll do that. Good, good. Okay. Content editing is really one of the biggest jobs, as uh, biggest parts of my job as executive editor at Right Integrity. Um, we have a number of editors that go through our manuscripts. But it, it actually ultimately becomes my job to urge the author to literally question everything about her manuscript. The more intentional an author, you, the author, the more intentional you are about all the pieces that go into your story, whether they're huge elements of the story like character or plotline, the character arc, or they're just little details about word choice or sentence structure. The more intentional you are about them, the better your story is going to be. The easier it will be for, for a reader to engage with your story. The, the easier it will be for you to keep them riveted because you don't want them to put the book down. You want to keep them riveted. And so that you need to be to do that. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I am an editor as well. Um, I edit for another yeah. company and I write for, for Write Integrity. And I, I want to just really express how important it is. Authors or writers seem to think that they can sit down at a computer or a typewriter or whatever they're using and plink out a story. 
And that's not true. There are elements of story, just like there are elements to painting or elements to molding Cooking. a sculpture or and and things like that. And if we we need to value our art and we need to understand, you've got to understand the basics and then you, you grow from there. And James Scott Bell, um, I had heard oh, him I like speak him. one time. I love James Scott Bell. I will quote him all over the place. And he said something that struck me because people get so sold on this whole picture and it gets overwhelming. But if you remember one element at a time or work on one element at a time, your writing is going to increase and your knowledge is going to increase. Figure out what's your weakest point and work on it and let your strengths draw into that, that, that weakness draw from your strengths. And I think that that's very important. People need to realize that when they're writing, it is an art. And there's something that we as editors look at. We have different ideas about what art is. But there are elements that we are all looking for when we're editing a story or we're trying to acquire a story. You're absolutely right. And that was extremely well put. Um, this is our art. And those, I mean, when we, we do plunk out a story. In fact, I have friends that, boy, they are student pants writers. They don't do any planning at all. I don't quite understand that because I plan everything to the, to the nth notion. But they'll sit down and just and you're one of them say because i know you I were am. talking about I how you, yeah i know you are you're one of them um they'll just punch this puppy out and i am in awe but it's still just the first draft that's what this yeah. is called it's not called a book yet it's called the first draft don't please 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 authors do yourself a favor do not send a first draft to an editor that's amen they don't want to see that they don't want to see that i mean it, it's just it's just going to end up one being an automatic no and two it's going to make you look bad because editors remember they remember your name and, and i'm not just talking about editors i'm talking about agents too they remember your yep. name they remember what you sent them they remember when they remember your responses to them if if they ended up having to tell you no which if you send them a, a rough first draft, it's going to be a no almost every time, unless your concept is just amazing and your writing is just is your writing is amazing too on the first first go around, which just doesn't happen very often. But um, boy, if you've got that kind of talent, then go for it. But if you just think you have that talent and nobody else has read your book, please don't send it off. Please let somebody else read your book. Um, okay, so it is important to know. The major elements of your story one of them is character we talked about it last week we talked about how important it is to take your character through uh, through they need to be real they need to be realistic they need to have real reactions to different things um and we talked in depth tell me some more things that we talked about because my memory is gone i've been racing around too much today okay um well i have been thinking about it so i can go <laughs> i can take care of that Good. um we talked. We, we ran down the the list of the the elements that I see as story elements. Um, we have plot, pacing, conflict, character, point of view. The deeper, the better. Showing uh -huh. rather than telling, and dialogue. And yeah. you, it, last last month we talked about the first four of those elements in car terms. 
if you think of plot, That's plot is the vehicle that moves the story forward. If you don't have a plot, you don't have a story. While That's pacing, I remember that. That's good. Yes. Pacing is your accelerator or your decelerator. And please note, I did not say that there's a break. A plot vehicle doesn't have a break. Um, and we'll we'll talk about that because there there's something in a story and a lot of authors use it that will slam plot vehicle to a stop and will will throw the the reader against the windshield that will it will jar them and and we'll be talking about that when we cover pacing a little bit. Um, there's right. also conflict. Conflict is that fuel goes into your plot because. If, if you know what you're doing with your, with your elements, you know that every scene of your story has to have conflict. And it has to have, I didn't say this last time, but it has to have building conflict. You can't have conflict right. resolution, conflict resolution that will drive your reader crazy. So yeah. those, and then we have char the characters. Characters are the ones who are in the plot vehicle and they're behind the wheel or they're in the passenger seat or they're in the back seat. So that's, those are the ones that I kind of look at in, in terms of a car. Then you have um, your point of view that, and like I said, you want to do it the deeper, the better um, than the showing rather than telling. We're going to talk about those two things tonight and how they are so intricately tied. And then we have dialogue. One of my favorite things is dialogue. <laughs> that's fun. Um, so, okay, so and I think that's what we covered. Yeah, it is. I know that that, that was your element, and that, that was such an amazing list. Um, last month, we talked in depth about characters, and I know we went through the psychology of characters in general and um, how to make them different from each other, how to, uh, how to give them unique characteristics so that um, a reader, as they're reading on a page, they just know one, one is one and one is the other because of their characteristics. Um, so I know we talked about the psychology, but what else did we talk about with, with the characters? What other points did uh, did you make about the characters? Because I know you made some great ones, and I don't have them sitting in front of me. Well, I talked about, we, we got into a little bit of what our subject is tonight, the deep point of view, and how you can make your um, character, um, your, your character automatically attached to your reader as that point of view character because they, they readers don't always realize that we have these little tricks. and sometimes authors don't realize that if they don't use these tricks it kind of confuses the reader but if uh, you okay. are starting a scene be sure to start your scene with an action of your character not a thought not a dialogue but an action of that character that's going to be your point of view character and that right. way the character becomes fixed to the reader they know that's where everything is coming through and that's kind of important for our conversation tonight um I yeah can't think of other was. things we talked about yeah well and uh, okay so then cleaning up from last week because there really was one other thing that we really do need to talk about your character needs to change through the story. They need yeah, to have a character, character art. Um, they, and, and Susan May Warren, um, I've, I've used a lot of her um, instructional books as I was getting started in writing. And she talks about how you have to have like a, a dark moment, something that happened in their history that, that makes 
that they realize they have to re-encounter in the story um, as their their lowest point at the very end of the story before they can have resolution. Um, and and you can do it that way. And that that actually I've seen that done quite a bit. But the bottom line is your character needs to have some a few key things every time and not just the psychology of the character. Your character needs to have values. Your character needs to have goals. Your character needs to have um, obstacles for those goals. And they need to have a lie that they believe, something that they believe that's wrong. It could be inside, it could be outside, it could be about somebody else, it could be about themselves. But they need to have a lie that they believe that at the end of the book, and it, and it doesn't have to be a, you know, someone told them a lie. It just has to be something that they have developed that is a lie so that at the end of the book, they have a revelation um, that's so very satisfying to a reader to see uh -huh. the, the that main character. And sometimes it's both main characters. If you've got a romance going on, both your main characters need to have these things. They need to have values they need to have goals they need to have obstacles they need to have a lie and if you're doing a suspense or a mystery guess what your bad guy needs to have those things too your bad guy does yeah, not need to right. be yeah he does not need to be he she does not need to be a cardboard cutout they need to have a reason for the way they're behaving they need to have values and those values are going to come out and if they value family, if they value children, if they because bad guys, you know, the the days of Snidely Whiplash curling his mustache and doing nothing but mean for meanness sake are over. Um, yeah. Bad guys in, in novels nowadays, they have reasons for being bad. They have purpose, a purpose for being bad. Um, and they don't see themselves as bad. They see themselves as focusing on their goals and that's all there is to it it doesn't i mean they don't their goals might be really really twisted but they're still focused on their goals um and so your your uh, villain also has to have those four things so the four things again you have to have a goal you have to have values um that are the core values of the of the character you have to have obstacles that they go against and you have to have a lie that they believe um and even the villain can have redemptive qualities but he doesn't have to be all bad you can have um you can have a villain that has a dog you can have a villain that loves kids you can have um what was it the other day i was watching a movie um oh 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 it was um it was winter soldier was it winter soldier is that what we watched last night yeah i think it was um winter soldier when it got to the very, no, it wasn't, it was Iron Man 3. I knew it was one of those, those Marvel movies. Iron Man 3, we got to the very end of the movie and um, this particular bad guy that he was quite the villain, but he wasn't an obvious villain. And he was a villain because he had somebody in his life that had been uh, permanently disfigured and had lost a limb. And so, see, I am not, I just want you to know, there's no spoiler alert here because I am not telling you who this is and I'm not telling you the end of the movie and you won't be able to know as you go through it. But um, this particular bad guy had somebody that, that they loved that had this missing limb. 
and that's why they were being that's why they were acting in the way they were acting it wasn't that they were being bad for bad mistake they were focusing on a goal to try and help this person that they love and so that and that's what your villain needs to do as well okay so um and their values make a difference as to whether or not they'll go to different kinds of depth to do it so those are important and i'm sure we will talk about character again because character is such a rich topic but for tonight we are not talking about character well we are kind of we're talking about point of view our first person we're going to try and get through two but they are very closely connected um so our first element is deep point of view and the perspective is going to be in the main character and I, you know most of us grew up on classics or the old stories i don't know you might have had a reader when you were going through school i remember uh teaching my girls and they had readers and the classics have a habit had a habit of telling this amazing story but telling it from a narrator's point of view from a narrator's perspective it was true telling of the story um but today's omniscient, reader, omniscient point of view yes exactly it was an omniscient point of view um the narrator could be a very shallow narrator in that they just told what happened and told all the action or it could be a deeper narrator where it told the feelings and the thoughts of all the different characters but it was all the different characters and it just it just told everything um today's reader doesn't want to be told that gummit they want to experience the story they want to live it as though they are the main character they want to put on the skin um, of the point of view and they want to live through the excitement they want to live through the intrigue and enjoy the romance um, using third person or first person pov is the best way to get that to, to get to that point um, a first person pov would be a very deep point of view but you only you're limited because you generally will only have just that one character in your book and everything is experienced through that character everything okay and that goes back to character everything is filtered through that character's values goals obstacles and lie they believe so everything they see if they believe a lie that they're stupid then everything they see they're going to filter it through the lie that they're stupid you know oh well he's just laughing at me or they're going to filter it through that way. If they have a negative outlook on life, they're going to filter it negatively. If they have a positive, happy-go-lucky cheerleader outlook on life, they're going to filter it that way. So the filter of your main character is those four elements, and you have to have those nailed down because when your reader reads, even if you don't identify your main character, which you absolutely should, but even if you don't, they should know who they are because of the way they respond. To the circumstances around them. Um, simply adding he or she to a manuscript doesn't necessarily change your perspective from omniscient uh, or from, from first person to, to third person, from omniscient. That just doesn't change it. It seems like it would, um, but if it's unclear, unclear who's in charge of the scene, then your readers can't put themselves into anybody's perspective. They can't put on anybody's yeah they're they're not being able to live through the story um so this is where the deep pov comes in this is, this is where it all comes in you can use it in either first person or you can use it in third person but there are tricks to using it in third person Faye, i know you're going to tell us about that 
Um, yeah, the, the first thing I mentioned was basically it is very, very important. I say this and I've said this is the third time I've said it in our discussions over the last two months. Please set your scene from the with an, an action from the point of view character, because that really does link that character to your to your reader so that when you when you're telling the story, they don't get like a third of a page down and say, whose point of view am I in or who am I following in this scene? They, they already know it unless you've messed up. And we're going to talk about ways to keep from messing that up. Um, point of view is, is such a rich technique. And I've, I've had people actually tell me, I don't like deep point of view. And my response is, then you don't really? know what you're talking about. Yeah, you don't know oh my what gosh. I mean by deep point of view. They they just believe that it's just they I think that they get caught up in what's internal monologue, which we're going to talk about versus what is deep point of view. And they're two different things. And they don't realize that what what you're what like what you said, your reader wants to be in that story with them. Let me share an example with you. There was a book that when I was 17 years old was written by a 17 year old. Her name was Essie Hinton and she was required reading and the book was The Outsiders. And some people might uh -huh. not have read the book, but they've seen the movie. But there was a scene in that book where something happened and it is so heart wrenching, so grab the reader by the heart and not let them go that when I finished the book my mother woke me up the night after I finished that book and she said you need to wake up and I said what's wrong she says you're screaming stay gold pony boy stay gold and that was oh a line gosh. in the book that's deep point of view I could see wow. that scene I and that scene was so vivid with me that it came forth in a dream and when I write deep point of view that's what I'm aiming for I want you the reader to be in that scene with me with that character where I am because half the time I'm I am the hero I'm the heroine I'm the villain whoever I am I'm projecting myself onto that movie screen as I'm writing and if I'm not doing that I'm not connecting with my reader. If you're not doing that, if you're not, when you're writing, whether it's a first draft or whatever it is, if you're not connecting with that character and you're not seeing yourself like a movie, you're not connecting. You're not going to connect your reader. So that well, was one of the, the things that I wanted to share. Well, and I want you, I want you actually to share more because I know you've got more to share. I do need to tell you, I've got a big old hairy thunderstorm outside my window that is bubbling up. I can up, hear that. And so, you hear it? So, if, it, if yeah. I end up, and I'm sitting here with my back to the window, too, that always freaks me out. If I end up getting knocked off, just keep going. I'll get back on if I possibly can. I'll do my uh, my dead level best. But it's not anything severe. It's just a big old hairy that just bubbled up. Um, oh, okay. okay. But there was one other thing that I wanted to share with you, though. You know, I was talking to an author just last week about the POV, and, and so I felt like, okay, wait a minute, I need to mention this. 
Um, I was talking to her, I said, yeah, I said, you know, it really needs to go into deep POV because you can't tell who's thinking this. You can't tell who's, who's doing this. It just sounds like you're just telling the story. And her, her response was, well, the people that wanted me to write the story said they wanted me to be plot driven versus character driven. Oh my gosh, that has nothing to do with POV. And she and I had no. a long conversation about it. But for those of you that are listening outside, uh, you have, well, you're not outside because it's storming outside. For those of you that are listening on the air today, um, BPOV is not plot driven. I mean, it's not character driven. Character driven is, I, I think of Pride and Prejudice. Oh my gosh, I love that movie. But that is so character driven. Those, the way the characters are molded together and, and change and they have all this drama going on. That to me is totally character driven. Deep POV has nothing to do with being character driven. Deep POV is just the ability to live through the plot as that main character. And so yeah. don't 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 get confused with those terms because that's not what this is. Okay, tell us more, Faye, because I know you got more. Well, I, I want to backtrack because it doesn't mean that you can't have a character-driven story. Deep point of view will enhance a character-driven story. But yes, a deep point of view is just basically bringing the reader into your world so that they, exactly. that, that any, anything, and, and I know when I'm editing and I am editing a story, I can tell I'm going to acquire it right away, especially if the point of view is there. If they've grabbed yeah. me with the point of view, I'm going to do everything I can to help the other elements work because deep point of view kind of hides all of the other weaknesses we might have. For for example, right. I'm not really big on description, but I've learned to use deep point of view to pull the description of whatever is in a scene that I believe my readers need to know about so uh -huh. that if someone walks into a room and there's something important like maybe there's an open drawer with a gun in it and maybe it's not going to be important for that scene but my point of view character needs to see it because we want to bring it in later that's part of your point of view with your plotting um, if you are doing your deep point of view with um, let's say dialogue you can slip in little things. I have an example of one, and, and this is what I use with my dot when I talk about dialogue. But when you have two, like two older ladies and they're sitting down at a table and one says, Mary, do you remember when your house burnt down when you were five years old? Well, we're not in deep point of view there. We are basically telling. But what right. if we switched it around and Mary said, I haven't felt this lonely since I was five years old standing out in the middle of the night in my nightgown clutching my mom's hand as our as our house that gives us through dialogue some deep point of view for the character so you can use deep point of view with thought you can use deep point of view with action and you can use it with dialogue there it's very important um, that that's why it, it's so important um, I mentioned that if you don't, if you're not connecting with your with your characters as you're writing, if you're not seeing them on that movie screen in your head, then you've got a problem. And in my last novel, Frozen Notes, I had that problem. 
Um, my, I, I kind of describe the character as this closed up rosebud. By, by life circumstances, she had kind of become a shell of herself. And I'm writing uh-huh. her and she's not even opening up to me. And I knew oh, when wow. I had her on screen, I was kind of watching her. I wasn't her or I wasn't in, in the scene with her. And I realized I have to, I have to find out what makes her tick. So as I wrote, I kept asking her questions. We're crazy writers. We can do this. And I kept saying, why are you like this? And she finally, as I think that in my mind, my character began to trust me and she opened up. And by the end of the story, I had this character. I knew what she was about. Okay, that's in the first draft. I have well, to go back amazing and start again. Right. I, I love her. Her name is Lyric and, and she just she just became this dear hurt. She was just hurt by life circumstances. Broken, so when yes. I went back so talking about that first draft and you go into your revision you've kind of she's opened up to you now you begin to type and to and to revise and you're in that scene and you know that's when you know my character's alive and if she's alive for me she's going to be alive for my readers so that's something that you that you want to um remember as you're writing if you're struggling with knowing a character or this character isn't really fleshed out for you Deep point of view isn't going to work until you can figure that character out. Yeah, until they're thoroughly, thoroughly out. Um, yeah. And I have, I have some examples of deep point of view. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, um, here, here are a couple of examples. And, and just bear with me because I'm going to read this, and I'm going to try and read it slow enough so I don't stutter over it or anything. Um, okay, so here's an example when it comes to crafting DPOV, your first draft is not going to be necessarily deep. I don't know, it might be, but this is the first draft type of of paragraph. Emily was against the wall with the head zookeeper's door on her right. A man and a woman raced past her and around the corner before they found an open exit. Fear etched Emily's face as the elephant stomped through the building looking for escape. Okay. This isn't really even third-person POV. It's more of an omniscient viewpoint. And unfortunately, when you have, when you, when a raw author, when a writer has a very shallow point of view, it's easy to pop into omniscient viewpoint and just tell what you're seeing, tell what's being, what's being seen, instead of digging down into the person's, like I said, the filters of the main character. Um, this would tell a reader what's happening, but um, an omniscient, like we said before, also tells what everybody thinks about it. It's just narrated. For instance, and here's a for instance in this particular example, the man and the woman go out of Emily's sight because they go around the corner. So she can't possibly know that they found an open exit. She tells you how many times. I read that not only in proposals, proposed manuscripts, but also also in some of my own author's work. I'm not I'm not ditching on my authors because they are amazing. But it's very all that is to say it's so very easy. I think in my own work, it's so very easy to fall into that 
and forget that you are you need to be deeply into that character psyche so that you're not out of the skin so that you literally are in the screen in your mind like Faye was saying in the screen in your mind you see the characters run past you and go around the corner and that's all you can see you don't know what you can see you don't even know why they're running you can't say they're looking for an exit they may be looking for food you don't know and so yeah. you can't make yeah you can't make the assumption because then it goes into that omniscience. Um, the, the, she can't know what they found. Okay, everything that is stated here is just what is seen. In this particular example, there's nothing felt. There's no emotion. No. Um, we, we're, only, we're only told about fear. We, we hear the word fear and that's it. So here's an updated one. Emily was leaning against the wall. She could hear the pound of the elephant's feet as he was stampeding closer. She felt his heavy steps through the pile on the floor. A man and a woman raced past her and around the corner. She was afraid for her coworkers and hoped they wouldn't be hurt as the animal tried to find escape. Okay, in this situation, yay, we're actually in third person. We actually are in third person. We're hearing what Emily hears. We're thinking what Emily thinks, we're feeling what Emily feels, or at least we're reading what Emily feels. But this is still not deep POV. Um, it doesn't go deep enough. It still stays on the, it actually really stays on the surface. Even though we're there, we're not exactly deep in our head. We're not under her skin. The word choice and the phrasing, I know this is what I'm saying when I said, you know, even word choice and sentence structure, those are little details, but you have to be intentional about those. Because in this case, the word choice and the phrasing are keeping the reader from being able to experience this elephant stampede. Um, was leaning, was he could hear, was stampeding, all of those are so passive. And I know you'll probably hear that from critiquers all the time, but those unintentional, I call it lazy writing. I know that's a horrible, harsh thing to say, but it really is. And I usually call it lazy writing when I'm looking at my own stuff. So don't don't think that I'm fussing anybody. But try this one in comparison. Well, it's, it's something okay. that the reader should be looking for. They need to be looking for lazy writing. So that's part of exactly. the element. Exactly. Yeah. Because you care enough about your writing, you need to make sure that you are intentional with every word and every phrase. And yeah, go back over it and think, should I use that word here? Should I use that word there? Yes, go back over it. That's not a bad thing. So here's my final one. And chances are, y'all might even come up with better ones than I have. If you do, email them to me, downpublishinglane at gmail.com. Go ahead, email them to me. Remember that Lane is L-A-I-N-E. Okay, so here's my last one. Emily pressed herself against the wall, willing her heart Stop pounding. Wait, that wasn't her heart. The stomps of the stampeding elephant resounded through the depths of her being, growing louder. The ground shook and reverberated into her head. Someone screamed as a man and woman ran past. If only Emily could force her legs to obey her and follow them. No telling how many of her co-workers had been hurt by this terrified creature as it sought to find escape. Would she be its next casualty? In this, in this case, now it's not riveting writing because I only put it out really quickly, but in this case, we're using active verbs. We're using a description that is from her eyes, from her, from within her. She's feeling it. 
she's seeing it, and you can kind of sense the panic that she has. She can't even move. Um, so going deep doesn't necessarily mean, though, that, okay, wait a minute. Before I go there, Faye, I want to hear your critique on this. Yes, I'm bearing myself out on this one. What would you change? <laughs> Well, I knew that you wrote it quickly, but I, I probably wouldn't change anything. You have the strong verbs. You you have her, what she's thinking. Would she be the next casualty? We know that that's what she's thinking. Um, she's wondering how many of her coworkers had been hurt. We're right there in the scene with her. Um, we we can hear the man and the woman scream and we can we can imagine the the, the elephant thundering, thundering by. Um, I I can't critique it any worse <laughs> any any worse than that. So you get an A plus from me. <laughs> good, good, good. Okay, well, okay. So going deep though doesn't necessarily mean the writing gets longer. Authors will need to be more intentional about word choice, like I said. But this is here's another example. Um, if you get your perspective deep enough, you don't necessarily have to worry about showing versus telling. Um, mm -hmm. This is our next element, showing versus telling, will come naturally if you get that perspective deep enough. Wouldn't you agree, Faye? I, I do, because you really can't talk about showing and not telling without going back to deep point of view. Because nothing inhibits deep point of view more than the, the tendency for an author to tell. And what I mean by that is if I'm reading for acquisition or I'm reading a book and I'm deep into like Emily's story and all of a sudden in the middle of the thundering of, of what's going on around her you hear comes she heard the thundering hoof beats of the elephant oh, yeah. well oh what God. she heard is a telling phrase people have we have to be able to pick out those he saw he realized, she saw, she heard. Those are all telling phrases. Because oh, I'm going to add a few to that. I'm going to add oh, okay. wonder and wish and think and all of, the, all of the ones that go along with it. Because I, I see she hopes all the time. And that one is very telling. Yes, it is. And and there are some times, like I've, I've had a, a uh, manuscript recently where she watched and I'm thinking well that's telling language but no we need to we need to know she watched there's there's always an exception to the rule but 99.5 percent of the time those telling us what they're doing or what they're hearing and telling us that they're telling us that they're hearing or they're seeing or they're doing really takes away from your point of view. The reader is on the outside looking into your story instead of into your story. So instead of instead of saying he heard, just say the door opened. Here's why. This is so important. I'm saying it I think for the fourth time now. Set yes. the stage of your scene with an action from the point of view character because your reader will know who heard the door open and the reader exactly. will hear the door open with that character and that's very very important eliminate eliminate get to know those telling phrases and realize that you're telling and then begin to eliminate them sometimes simply by just saying that the door opened not she heard the door open but the door opened um right another another thing too did, did you want to add something to that margie 
No, I was gonna I was gonna say, you know, if if she heard the door open, then give us a sound. She heard the door open with a creak. Or she heard the oh, door or the open door creaked open. Or the door creaked open. Yeah. So the door, you know, yeah. the, the, the latch unclicked and the door opened. That way, yeah. okay, now you know she actually heard it. So exactly. Mm -hmm. And 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 going on with the with the telling, we were talking about lazy writing. Lazy writing right. comes to me in the form of L Y words. People, you. you really need to know what your adverbs are, and you really writers really need to know what are good adverbs and what are bad adverbs. And I don't always eliminate in narrative the adverbs, but with speech attributes like here's the here's the famous one he whispered softly okay first of all whispering is soft so it's redundant but it right. we don't need it, it it is a just he whispered softly weakens the verb adverbs weaken the verb so just remember to say he whispered um i have an example barry don't look behind you and she, she, I could say um, she, she whispered softly. But then what if I want to get away from the lazy telling, I can say, Barry, don't look behind you. Tanya leaned toward him, her lips brushing his ear as she spoke. But the man who killed your mother just walked into the restaurant. A little bit stronger oh, there than just he whispered softly. Just a tad, just a tad. No, a lot stronger. That's so much better. That's so much better. Well, tell us about internal monologue real quick because we're almost out of time. I can't believe we're almost out of time, but we are. Yeah, an internal monologue is what most writers, they can't get a hold of. They can't realize that when you're in deep point of view, except for maybe one or two times in your, in your entire novel, if you want emphasis, internal monologue is not necessary. In internal monologue in the third person point of view is where you switch the tense and your I think she's coming and you have it in italics. In deep right. point of view, when we're really in deep point of view, those italics jar your reader. You don't want that. I'm a big one for cut out the internal monologue. Um, yeah, and, and in I, first I, person, I'm with you on that one. I, I'm with you on that one because you can use those italics, you can use that internal monologue for key times in your story. Yeah. But if you do it a lot, then they're nothing. They're just it's just it's just earrings. It's just jewelry on your story because it's, and, it's, and it's hard to read because the italics is hard to read anyway. Mm -hmm. And an internal monologue is a style thing, and I'm very big on style is not style if it's overused because then right. people don't realize oh that's important. But if you are one that uses very little internal monologue and there's an internal monologue, they're going to go that's important that's a hint or either that's really giving us an insight into the character. Now, here's something, and this will be my, my last point on this. If you're writing first person point of view and you go into italics, I have to ask you as an author, are you using deep, deep point of view in your first person? Because if you are, there is no reason for there to be italics because your character Absolutely. is the one that's telling the story or showing the story through that viewpoint or that first person character through that scene. So that is something that, that authors need to look for. Look for that internal monologue. Look for those L-Y words. Look for those, those 
telling phrases we mentioned and edit them out of your novel and see how much it comes alive for you. Okay, well, we've got all of eight minutes left. And say you're doing something really special, and I want you to be able to tell a little bit about it, but you only got about four to tell us about it. Um, Faye is doing something really special with all of her books, so pay attention because, boy, you want to get in on this. Go ahead, Faye. Okay. Um, I live in the path of Irma. We had a little bit of damage. My husband and I, I actually were unscathed by the grace of God. But our neighbors and some of our family members weren't. We have people in our neighborhood who don't have roofs and things. And then we see the destruction, the flooding in, in um, Houston. We see the just the utter devastation of Puerto Rico. And I got to thinking mm. about my, how blessed I am with my writing because I have a husband who actually is the real breadwinner and I can write to my heart's content. And I wanted to turn this blessing that God gave to me and give back. And I prayed about it and I sat down with my husband and we decided that we're going to everything that I make in my royalties for all of my books are going to go for causes, um, godly causes. And um, I've taught to Samaritan's Purse and I am, I am going to be donating to them. I'm going to be supporting Samaritan's Purse with my with my royalties that I earned from the second quarter of 2017 through the end of 2017, which I get in March, they will go to Samaritan's Purse disaster relief. And I want to tell you, we have right around the corner, I mean, literally right around the corner from my house, if you turn at the end of my street, there is a church. They have a 73 year old pastor their church was flooded and I watched, I, I, I watched them pulling things out of the church and I called my pastor. He's not, this, this church is not my church. Um, and I called my pastor and my pastor actually went to visit the 73 year old man and caught him digging a drainage ditch with his congregation. And this is where my desire is. My desire is to, to help godly, to send my what God has blessed me with to send it to godly causes so that the outreach for God, how little I can do, God can use it. And I I hope that he will ask that, that you will buy my books. If not, not for anything else, I I'm a little partial to my stories because I write them. I think that we all are. Oh, but because awesome. they are yes. going to a good cause. <laughs> so yes. that, that's what I'm doing. So if you are a fan of romantic suspense, if you are a fan of romance, her not just her um, her Amazing Grace, her Amazing Grace series is romantic suspense uh, down in Amazing Grace, Florida, isn't it? No, is no, it Amazing Florida? Grace, no, North, North Carolina. Carolina, North Carolina. I'm about to say, wait a minute, I've got that wrong. Um, Amazing Grace, North Carolina, and uh, those are all intense suspense stories. She, she gets wicked with her suspense. I'm telling you, she, she really goes for it. Um, but they also have strong, strong romance, clean romance, the strong romantic threads through it, strong faith threads through all of her books. <laughs> so sorry. Um, but she also has a romance series that is the Ties That Bind series. Oh, what an incredible series that is. Books are Sharice and Libby and Hope. And she has a new book coming out. Um, it's not going to be part of this particular giving to Samaritan's first 
for hurricane relief, but um, she has, so she has that series. And she also talk about deep POV. She has a book called The Art of Characterization. And that's what it's about. The whole book is all about deep POV. You want to learn about deep POV? Okay, just go check it. Just go grab it right thinking now. You need that book because it's going to really help you walk through deep uh, POV. All of these are on Amazon. Oh, and don't forget, um, Stalking Willow, the very first book of her Amazing Grace series, in two weeks is going to be on sale for 99 cents. So you really do want to make sure you catch these books. You want to make sure you get these books, not only for your enjoyment, but also to help the thousands that have been displaced by hurricanes uh, this season. It's amazing how many have been hurt. I'm thrilled that there haven't been more killed. Um, for, I mean, there haven't been. There, there have been some, some deaths, obviously, but down in Houston, I'm sure in Puerto Rico, I didn't hear of any deaths in Florida, but uh, there we had a we had a nursing home in Fort in Fort Lauderdale that some elderly people died oh. quite quite a travesty yes oh I'm so sorry um well, yeah so there so there were some some that passed away then in Florida I know there were mm -hmm. several that passed away in in Houston and in um, Rockport my daughter just got back from Rockport my twins went down to Beaumont last week. Um, I'm sorry, not to Beaumont. My twins went down to Houston last week. My husband's going to Beaumont in a couple of weeks um, because they just learned so much need. And I know the same kind of outpouring is going, especially on the east side of, of the Florida Panhandle. And I'm hoping you're getting some help on the west side too. I know they didn't get hit quite as hard, but and then in Puerto Rico is just devastation. That whole island has been devastated. And so, I really hope that you guys will get jump on this, if nothing else, and to enjoy reading and contribute to an excellent cause at the same time. Um, next month, we're going to be chatting again. Guess what? Yes. About the elements. Yes, we are. Faye is coming back, and I am so thrilled that she's coming back next month. Um, it will be, let's see, I don't think I have the date down. It is, nope, I don't. Oh, yes, I do. It's November 7th at 7 p.m. We're going to be talking about the next couple of elements of an outstanding story that you can be working with us. And so we'll be back. I hope you'll be back. Um, until then, I hope you have an amazing blessing for the rest of this month. I hope you find some fun, uh, your childhood spirit. I hope you find some excitement. And I hope you write. And I hope you not only I hope you write well. So say goodbye, Faye. Bye. See you next month. Yes. And I'm saying goodbye to you, too. I hope you have an amazing October. Blessings. This has been Publishing Lane with your host, Margie Lane Klubine, Executive Director of Write Integrity Press. If you'd like to learn more about Margie and her publishing company, visit writeintegrity.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-I-N-T-E-G-R-I-T-Y dot com.